There's safety in numbers, they say. Cause the news media never lie. No perfect person's ever noticed one incel die. I'm programmed to be an asshole. What will the answer be? Is it a swatting till the eight kun goes down? Cause the matrix grid don't say. The podcast's guide to the conspiracy featuring Josh Edison and M. Dentis. and welcome to the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy. My name is Josh Edison here in Auckland, New Zealand and in Zhuhai, China. We have associate professor of philosophy who puts their pants on three legs at a time, just like everyone else. Uh, but I've said too much. It's Dr. M. R. Extendeth. Yeah, the, uh, the zipper's really causing me a bit of a bother today. It kind of really got caught in my seventh tendril. Mm. Well, you've no one but yourself to blame, I'm afraid. It's true. I just mm. buy better pants. Mm. Mm. Or none. None at all. Always an option. Always an option. I should buy a nun. You should. You should buy none. Yes. Do you know how hard it is to get a nun in this country? Uh, it's not very Christian. G- genuinely, no, I don't. Well, now you do. So now, do you know how hard it is to buy a nun in this country? Answer the question. Well, uh, yes. Hard, oh, it's, it's it's difficult. Yeah, I've just it's learned. All, yeah, that's all I needed to know. Mm. Jolly good. Well, now. Oh, actually, so I listened. We had a recent comment on a YouTube version, which was six minutes of utter dross, but then it gets better. Oh. And that's frankly, that is frankly the podcast summarized to a T. Well, that's every podcast summarized to a T. I don't think we can be feel, feel, need to feel particularly guilty over rabbiting on about bullshit for the first short while before we actually get into the guts of the podcast, because that is what literally every podcast is. So I say to your anonymous YouTube commenter, just just get used to it, quite frankly, because there there is literally no other option. Yes, literally no other option. You have to listen to to this podcast. It is actually mandated mm. by the UN mm. under Section 7 of the Geneva Convention. Oh, one of them, who knows. Uh, now we have we have a, a, a back to the conspiracy episode. It's not a, it's not a not an interview. It's not a paper review. There's nothing academical about it at all. Has the world gone mad? Uh, well, yes, it no, has no, actually. No, you you chose this topic. What drew you back to GamerGate? Have you been have you been playing Minecraft or Fortnite or? Overwatch or whatever online game is, and have you been have you been shouting at people online about truth in games journalism? What's drawn you back to the Gamergate well? Well, actually, to, to be honest, it was almost exactly the opposite. I was looking through our list of old episodes to see if there was anything worth revisiting, and literally went, "Oh yeah, Gamergate! I'd forgotten all about that," because um, I think in the in the intervening. Eight years uh, since we talked about it, there's been enough crap in that in that general area to occur that um, it's it's kind of eclipsed Gamergate, and yet Gamergate, in a sense, is where a lot of it all started. And in a sense, never went away. Mm, mm. So, how about you play some sort of a attractive little sting, and then we start talking about Gamergate 
again. Buckle up, we're going back to the conspiracy. So, Gamergate. Uh, so we, we talked about, when I was looking through our list of, of old episodes, we talked about this in episode 23, October 2014. Mm, yes, if you're Nicolas Cage and that, no, Jim Carrey. No, no, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Yeah, Nicolas Cage was the other, yeah, yeah anyway. Uh, yes, it is, but Nick no. Nick Cage was knowing, Jim Carrey yeah, was yeah, 23. that's the one I was thinking and of. And frankly, they're both very bad films, mm. but I actually think knowing might be slightly better by just a midgen's touch. Okay. Well, that's neither here nor there, because uh, w- what we're talking about today is Gamergate and not either one of those films, although, frankly, by the end of it, I think we'll wish we'd have changed our minds on that particular issue. Because, um, So, I mean, we, 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 we must all remember Gamergate, at least. It hadn't occurred to me in a long while, but um, surely we remember the details. We, we certainly, we at least remember the meme. At least we remember it's about ethics and gaming journalism, the, the meme that spawned from it. Even if we don't I mean, remember, really, it was never about ethics in no. journalism. Well, that was the it point. It was about a jilted lover getting revenge. Yes, I mean the, and the, the from fact that a thousand ships did sail. They did. Yeah, I mean the, the, the fact that it's a, it's about ethics and gaming journalism came to be a meme that that basically meant this is not whatever the person's talking about. That this is the, you know saying that was was a uh, byword for this is disingenuous nonsense. Um, at least is is promising, I guess. But yes, no, it started basically because a guy got dumped, a dude who yeah. it was the the ex of an indie game developer, uh, broke up with his girlfriend, and felt compelled to write not a tweet, not a blog post, but a goddamn essay about what a horrible person his ex girlfriend was, and and how utterly utterly wronged he had been. Uh, in in breaking up with her, and uh, in amongst all this, would you like there were chapters? I haven't read it, obviously, because who would, for God's sake? Well, obviously, lots of people did because that's how this all started. But but but, what person with something better to do would? Um, but yeah, in, in amongst all the all the whining and the whinging, uh, there were claims that. Uh, this this indie game developer, who of course in this guy's eyes was just this this utter utter harridan, a Jezebel of the highest order, had apparently cheated on him with I assume everyone under the sun, uh, in his telling of it, but in particular cheated on him with a guy who worked on a games reviewing site, and her being a game developer, there was the implication that she had essentially been sleeping with people so they'd give her good reviews. Now. This immediately fell apart because it was pointed out that this the guy who she supposedly had an affair with worked for a gaming site that had never reviewed one of her games. So yes, because I I think from memory it was a prominent online gaming site that was really Polygon? Only reviewed was it or AAA and AA titles and the developer in question. We're avoiding using her name because she doesn't need to be dragged back into the limelight in these kind of discussions. It was very much a indie game developer, the person who developed games that these new sites did not review. 
So it wasn't even a case of you might go, oh, we've slept together, so you can't review my games. It would be a case of, oh, you can sleep with your heart's content because you don't review the type of games that I write. Hmm. But of course, that was beside the point. Um, a lot of people decide something was rotten in the state of, of, of Denmark, where Denmark is games, the world Jim, of games, games development. I'm not, not yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, actually, it's more, it's more Iceland, given that their third biggest export is digital spaceships. Mm, that does sound right. What? Is that a... Is that a uh, um, what's the game? I can't even remember. Eve Online. Eve Online, Eve Eve Online. Online thing, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, I mean the, joke, the joke goes that Finland, uh, sorry, Finland, Iceland exports are songs by Bjork, financial services due to their banking sector and then spaceships but actually i think the i think it actually is more fish bjork spaceships probably bjork is an important part of the icelandic economy Mm, as well she should be uh but yes iceland slash denmark aside People, people, people. Basically, it, it, it kind of it's it's one of those things. It it, it became a. It, it was the flashpoint. It was the, it was the uh, Hannibal Burris having a go at at Bill Cosby, spawning the entire Me Too movement. This was the one guy having a whinge, and then suddenly a whole lot of stuff that it, that had been building in certain parts of the internet about how the world was 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 getting too liberal and too PC and and too not straight white male centric um and and it all sort of crystallized around this one particular complaint so it became about not just that the um the the, the gaming journalism was somehow corrupt and giving biased reviews in particular in in favor of games that that sort of promoted what you might think of as left-wing priorities or ethics or whatever but there, there was some there was some a larger conspiracy to to um to to what's I don't know diversify if you think diversity is a bad thing, um, pretty much all of popular culture, and part of this is due to a really interesting phenomenon. So about the time that Gamergate starts to become a big thing, gaming suddenly goes from being using a pejorative term a nerdy hobby to something that everybody was doing. So immediately, for the old vanguard of old white men who felt they'd been gaming since the 80s and the genre belonged to them, they were suddenly confronted by the fact that there was this new onslaught, onslaught's probably not the right word, a new influx of non-old white men coming into gaming. So that was immediately an issue. The demographics of gaming changed. But the other thing which occurs around about this time is the other phenomena, which is that suddenly indie games are becoming the big hot thing. So people are getting bored of AAA titles and the kind of generic gameplay loops that they're producing. And people start looking at indie games and the fact that indie games have interesting game mechanics, they've got interesting characterizations, they've got really audacious plots. The problem is a lot of the people developing indie games are people who have been marginalized or ostracized from big game development. And so it turned out that the people developing a lot of the really popular indie games were women, people of colour, telling stories which were much more copacetic towards women and people of colour. So the really popular and hot games that everybody's talking about suddenly don't reflect 
the old white men who have been playing games for a while. And so there is discontent and a feeling of, oh, 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 these new people coming into the thing. Oh, oh, oh. Mm. Oh. Mm. Yes, I mean, I suppose it's, we have to point out, as we pointed out the first time around, that the Gamergate hashtag, hashtag seems to have been coined by, by one Adam Baldwin. Is he still around? Did he get booted off Twitter or anything, or did he just sort of fade away? So he was in that nuclear submarine TV show up until recently, the one where there's some kind of global apocalypse and there's one submarine left behind, and he's one of the main characters. And that ran for five years and only ended recently. So he lost a lot of friends with his avant-garde right-wingness and anti-woke views, but it didn't seem to cost him any position in the media in industry. I mean, I mean, he may well be on Twitter. I don't really pay any no. attention to Twitter now that e- Elon Musk is in charge. So well, yes, knows? but I mean, I haven't heard he of... He's still around. Yeah. He's still around. I, I, well, it's, it's possible, of course, that if he has been working on a, on a show for the last five years, people have sort of said to him, don't say anything stupid on Twitter that might make us fire you or what have you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like, I, I obviously I never, never followed the guy, but I would occasionally see people like other celebrities or what have you arguing with him, things like that. But yeah, I haven't heard, heard peep from him in a long time. But 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 certainly back around the time that Gamergate was out, he was very much he, he very much enjoyed playing the role of this sort of internet provocateur, which basically meant troll essentially, but with one with a slightly bigger vocabulary sometimes. Yeah. So. What I always found intriguing about good old Adam Baldwin, I had to make I had to make sure I was using the right first name there. Mm, there are so many, Baldwin many Baldwins. Is that, of course, in Firefly, a show which I think is massively overrated, he played a slightly right-wing fa- figure that the show often made fun of. He was also in Chuck as a very pro-Ronald Reagan secret agent working for the CIA. And it seems that he wasn't just playing right-wing characters because he's good at playing right-wing characters. He was playing right-wing characters because that's what he is, a very right-wing caricature of a person. Mm. That said, and we mentioned this last time as well, he does still technically have the title of the best Baldwin, given that he's the only one of them to appear in a, a Predator movie. Um, and also he's, as far as we know, not shot someone has, on a set. Has never shot someone on the set of a, a movie, no. No. Uh, Which you really shouldn't be making any jokes about. No, but nevertheless, Adam Baldwin, it is true. Yeah, it is true. Adam Baldwin, mm. as far as we know, has never shot anyone on a movie set. No. Uh, but back to Gamergate. So, I mean, it, yeah, it, it became it became a real source of conspiracy theories, hence why we talked about it before and why we're talking about it again now. Aside from the the sort of good reviews for sexual favours angle, there are ideas that uh, game journalists, th- there could be conflict of interest, especially because another thing that was happening around the time was the, the increase in uh, crowdfunding services, your Kickstarters and what have you. Um, so seeing gaming journalists yeah, this, contributing this, this, this to games. The time that Broken Age is being solicited for on Kickstarter, the Tim the Tim Schafer game. I think Broken Age is around about this time as well. Mm. And there were concerns that 
Schaefer and Co. went to the media to garner interest in the game in order for news outlets to write positive stories about using Kickstarter to fund a game, to get people to then put money towards a game that the media were trying to, you know, enticing people into. So there were there were legitimate questions about the media and the game development fraternity going on, which we will get into. Mm. Because what's kind of tragic about Gamergate is that there were real issues, and there still are real issues, mm. in the intersection between games and media and game development. It just... Gamergate never really talked about those issues. They talked about different, possibly non-existent issues instead. Yes, exactly, because then you get into the whole culture war conspiracy type stuff with the idea that there was this bias somewhere baked into the industry somehow that that they were they were shutting out the the quote unquote real gamers and favoring the 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 social justice warriors which was a term that was just kind of was was just starting i think to show up around that time i think it's another thing that was was popping up at the time the the idea and of I'm the social justice sure warrior if i take my mind back 8 years i had a big long rant about how how why does anyone have any issue with the term social justice warrior? I mean, what's wrong about fighting for social justice? Well, indeed. I mean, I, I don't know exactly. I assume it was sort of, I mean, obviously, you know, using it as a pejorative, the idea is, 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 is to imply a sort of a, a hypocritical virtue signaling type person who makes a, makes a whole lot of noise on the internet about things to make themselves look good. I don't know if it was like an offshoot of because the term keyboard warrior had been around a while again with the connotations of someone who's all talk um, and 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 just pretends to have good views. So I, I, I'm assuming so it came I, out I of that. A, but... a keyboard warrior was a D and D class where you can only fight with keyboard, like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. No, they um they that that was removed I think in the in the fifth edition rules. So probably not by then. I don't know. But yes, so yeah, I mean, there was at the time there were things like Bayonetta two, I think, came out around that time, and Bayonetta, I mean Bayonetta three, just came out this year, and its its whole shtick is being ridiculously sexualized with a with a uh, character who's now I believe I understand this correctly. Her costume is magic and made of her own hair, and she it also is, uses yes. her own hair for her special magical attacks. So the more powerful attacks, the more powerful the attack she does, the more of her costume disappears as her hair is rerouted into her special attacks. Kind of, kind of. Yeah. Although that does get us on to the Bayonetta 3 controversy. Did you follow that? I did. I mean, it didn't have much to do with the Gamergate stuff, but um, controversy well, nonetheless. Yeah, the... yeah, so basically Hel Helena Taylor, who was the former voice of Bayonetta in Bayonetta 1 and 2, came out with the claim that she was only offered about 5,000 US dollars to do the recording session for Bayonetta 3, which she refused. So the role then went to Jennifer Hale, who is famous as a voice actor in the, ga in the gaming industry, famously is Femship in the Mass Effect games 1, 2, and 3, which is often taken to be the kind of canonical characterization of Commander Shepard in those games. And then it turned out that not only had Helena Taylor possibly 
not told the truth about the pay conditions. It turned out that she was being offered around about 5,000 US per session, and Platinum Games was looking at between three to five sessions to record all of the voice overwork, which means you're looking at something which is substantially larger than, say, 5,000 US. You're looking at something closer to 20,000 US. And the real contention was that Helena Taylor wanted royalties off the back of those sessions for her role in establishing the Bayonetta character. Now, we'll kind of leave the treatment of voice actors to one side because there is a big, long yes, debate going yeah. on in the gaming media about the way in which voice actors are not particularly well paid for their work and how central they are for a lot of narrative-based games. But then it turned out that Helena Taylor was also recommending that people boycott the game and donate the money instead to anti-abortion charities throughout the US. And that rankled some people quite substantially because it turned out it was a bit of a right-wing dick move. Yeah, I actually hadn't hadn't caught up with that. I, I, I kind of stopped paying attention to the whole thing once it got into the he, should, he said, she said stuff about exactly how she'd been treated. Um, so I wasn't aware it had gone in that direction, but yeah. Yeah, which is why it kind of does circle back mm. to the whole Gamergate thing, because Gamergaters, if they're one thing, they're quite conservative. Yes, no, that's definitely true. Now, also, th this at the start, at least, of Gamergate, there were... It was um, it was it was aimed, I guess, in some cases at, at particular people, particular women, essentially. Uh, there was there was the, the the ex of this original guy who wrote the original essay, but then various other people, on the the, the likes of Zoe Quinn and Brianna Wu and Anita Sarkeesian, copped a hell of a lot of flack and got a hell of a lot of online hate. Which these days has has, has sort of evolved to, to such lovely activities as swatting and and doxing and making people move houses and all that sort of stuff. Which, of course, itself led to the end of Eight Kern. Mm. You know, what was what was the specific event in that case? So, Keffels was swatted by members of Eight Kern for, and I think Keffels is a her. It's, I, it's, I think I think she's a she as opposed to a they. Keffel was swatted for advocacy online leading to Aitkoon sending SWAT teams to what I thought was London, UK. It turned out to be Lo London, Ontario, because Canada has a London. Uh, she was approached by the police. I think she was taken briefly into custody based upon the swatting. When things were explained, she then went to Ireland. The people at Aitkoon were then able to identify the very hotel she was staying in based upon a single photo of the bed linen when she took a photo of herself in the room, which led to a second swatting attempt in Ireland, which then led to Keffels leading a campaign against many of the services which support Aitkoon, which is why Aitkoon is not in a very good position these days. Mm. But at any rate, so, so that was the sort of stuff that, that was happening at the time, and I guess continues to in certain cases. And then, of course, that then led to a whole bunch of sort of false flaggy type conspiracy theories at the time, saying that the, the, the having harassed these women and the woman then report on their harassment, people would then accuse them of lying and saying they're making up the harassment just so that they can... Uh, get, get sympathy and 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 uh, make themselves look better. 
or of course the classic, they can't take a joke. I mean, sure, it looked like I was swatting them, but really I was just making fun. I was just pretending I was going to swat the person with people going, but swatting actually does occur and people have died mm. due to swatting attempts. So even joking about swatting someone is something that many people go, I should probably take that seriously because... You know, there might be a 10 or 15% chance that this is a joke. But then there's a 85% chance it's not. And then I might, in the best situation, have police officers turn up on my door. In a moderately bad situation, get arrested. Or in a really bad situation, just get shot for answering the door. Mm. So, I mean, now as we said before... There were issues, and there still are issues in gaming journalism. The, the especially, you know, the, the the relationship between the big game reviewing sites and the big game developers has always been worryingly close. There's always been the 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 perception, I think, that the the big sites tend to go easy on the big games, and that it's you don't often see. You don't often see really bad reviews, even even if a, even if a game isn't actually that great, it'll still just sort of get a, a, a middling score. Get a seven out of ten. Yeah. Um, and there's, I mean, for as long as I, I mentioned this back in the um, original episode, I remember games on the old Amiga five hundred back in the back in the nineties when I was a lad. How uh, the the um, Amiga game reviewing magazine Amiga Power after several who sort of did have a reputation for being actually critical and if they thought a game was below average it would get a less than 50% mark uh, after giving a bunch of games in the, the Alien Breed series bad reviews its publisher Team 17 who I think is still around in some form today uh, they still produce the Worms game. Oh, that's right, they do, yes. Uh, they stop sending review they're, copies. They're mostly a publisher these days as opposed to a developer, but they still do some mm. development duty. But yeah, so, so I mean, way back then you had this thing where they just stopped sending them review copies, so the magazine just had to go out and buy a copy and review it and be a, be a, little, be a week late getting their review out or something. But I mean, just, just this week, I think it was, I was reading on Twitter that uh, The Escapist was saying one of the... There was one one particular game series uh, wasn't going to give them review codes for zero punctuation because they didn't like how sarcastic Yahtzee gets in his his game reviews. I can't remember which series it was, but I mean that's which is somewhat ironic because and this is not to finger Yahtzee here, but The Escapist was one of the few news outlets in the gaming industry at the time, at the time that yeah. game came out that was supportive of Gamergate. They're going, oh, there are actually systemic issues. So it turns out the former people who ran the escapers were, in fact, Gamergaters. Mm. So it is interesting that the worm has turned ever so slowly. It has. Yes, so, I mean, but, but, but the point is that this was not the stuff that the Gamergaters were talking about at the time in terms of, of, of ethics and gaming journalism. It was all about this idea that the evil social, ju social justice warriors are running the world, which kind of takes us to today. Because, yeah, the game, Gamergate was how it started, but, but answer me this, Em, how's it going? Well, I mean... Harassment of women online by gamers continues to this day. In fact, one of the big issues in the launch of Overwatch 2 has been Blizzard trying to find a way to control the fact that gamers harass people that they take to be women or minorities with absolute vindictive 
act of pleasure, and the problem has not gone away. So in that respect, things have not improved. But I suspect you're thinking about some other gate suffixes, well. and how those things kind of emerge from the culture that Gamergate started, even if their successes have gone off in different directions. Yes, I think a lot of people sort of see Gamergate as... As, as setting the template in some cases for a lot of, of online behavior or again like, like I said with the the, um, the comparison with a, a single a single bit in a comedy routine sparking the whole me too movement this this was this this sort of ballooned and ballooned and the, the attitudes which were there all along kind of spread out into other arenas and essentially ended up in President Trump. I mean, the, the, the whole evil social justice warriors, which of course is the, was, the new, um, was the new political correctness gone bad and the old critical race theory, if I'm, if I'm getting my right-wing memes correct, I'm not quite sure. And, and that's eventually the, 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 the idea that this, this online movement that became known as the alt-right uh, and, and the idea of, of Haiti, of owning the libs, of being against social justice warriors in all their forms, it, it pretty much culminated in the election of Donald Trump, who was the, who was the alt-right figure, who was the anti-social justice warrior figure. So what you're saying is that by Team 17 not giving Amiga Power review copies of Alien Breed 3 The Towers, that led to the election of Donald Trump in the United States of America. One British game developer not giving a British magazine led to Donald Trump. I'm saying Team 17 is single-handedly responsible for the January 6th insurrection. That is exactly what I'm saying. I mean, I guess I find, what I find fascinating about Gamergate and what happened afterwards is that what Gamergate showed to us is how online communities, A, work and can become kind of vicious echo chambers, but also, B, how opportunistic people from pre-existing political movements kind of moved in and colonised those spaces. So there's been a lot of work that's looked into how online spaces work and how radicalization works. And so talking about some of the stuff that went on during the pandemic back in Aotearoa, New Zealand, what we saw in a lot of telegram groups would be you'd get people who were kind of unified around a particular topic, say the topic being they're scared of what's in the vaccines. And then what happens is that a few anti-Semitic neo-Nazis turn up and they start making claims about, oh, you do know, you know, it's the Jews who are behind the vaccines. The Jewish people, they're the real threat here. And what you find is there's a section of the community which is happy to go, well, look, we both agree vaccines are bad. So, I mean, you've got some weird views about vaccines, but, you know, everybody has weird views about vaccines. I don't, I don't necessarily like what you're saying, but I'm going to, in that terrible term, support your right to say it. There'll be a section of the community that will go, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like the vaccines, but this, this Nazi stuff, I don't really like that. So they leave. They, they leave the community and stop giving feedback to what's going on there. And then, of course, the people who were already in the community who were 
already a little bit anti-Semitic themselves, have those views reinforced by the anti-Semites having come in to kind of co-op the community. And I think what happened with the Gamergate phenomena is that there were pre-existing bad actors out there who went, these people are a little bit conservative-leaning, and I've got a conservative story that I want to sell them, which then kind of radicalized that particular group. And then by ostracizing the people who weren't happy being in a radical echo chamber led to further and further polarization, leading to Gamergate going from perhaps a few people mistakenly thinking it's about ethics and game journalism to being women are destroying the world and Anita Sarkeesian is deliberately the reason why we don't get buff men on the covers of video games anymore. Yes, no, exactly. Gamergate didn't didn't invent these attitudes, but it 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 was the thing that that went viral, essentially. It yeah, was it was it was the gateway drug for a lot of gamers to find out about right wing views. So I mean Gamergate was followed by Pizzagate, which was another sort of uh, an isolated now, event, that, now, that, sort of. That was a gate about ethics and pizza making. And pizza making, exactly, and 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 also child trafficking and. I mean, I don't want my pizza made by people. Well, no, obviously, no. Who would? Who would? I, I would. I mm. would like to be. I would like there to be ethics in pizza making. Mm. I really would. I, I'm actually. I'm actually. I. I will say. I will say this now. If you are a pedophile or a child trafficker. I don't want to eat the pizza you've made. No, I think that's quite a fair statement. Harsh but fair. Yeah. Uh, but no, so, so sort of Pizzagate then ended up ended up metastasizing into QAnon, sort of. Or again, it was it was a little thing that got jumped on by a whole bunch of pre-existing people who with a bunch of pre-existing axes to grind and sort of got sucked into and formed a part of the thing, which eventually these days is, is QAnon. And I mean, some people, there were people. I found an article looking at this. Um, the Washington Post, uh, back in 2016, had an article uh, called "If We Took Gamergate Harassment Seriously, Pizzagate Might Never Have Happened." So, I'd, uh, not, not, we're not saying that that Gamergate led directly to Pizzagate, but it showed people how to make a thing like Pizzagate turn into a thing like QAnon, I guess. Yeah, and as we saw with the treatment of. Gamergators engaging in swatting activities, the lack of consequences to those activities, to the instigators, kind of led people to go, well, we can make bigger, bolder claims elsewhere. So there is a literature on the fact that, you know, people who did swat other people in situations where people came to no harm of life. Judges were going, oh, you know, it's just a foolish young man engaging in foolish, youthful activity. I mean, we really can't hold them responsibility for these particular actions, which did create a kind of culture of, you can kind of get away with sending police to people you don't like. It's kind of an acceptable activity. And there are consequences to making actions like that permissible in your society. Mm. So, um, Snopes has an article called What Was Gamergate? Snopes? 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 
and, and mean, Snobes might also have an article on it, but I haven't read it. I, I don't visit them anymore. I don't like don't like some of the things they had to say. But um, no, this article published this year, April of this year, uh, says. Post-Gamergate, the Trump-worshipping QAnon movement, with its vast skein of interlinked conspiracy theories claiming, for example, that prominent Democrats are satanic child sex traffickers who drink the blood of babies, was born on 4chan and flourished on 8chan. Gamergate laid the groundwork and in many ways set the tone for that fanatical movement. So it was... yeah, I, 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 th I think we've pretty much covered it. It, it, it. it was the inciting incident. It wasn't, it didn't invent it, it didn't create it, but it became something that people could focus on and, and build upon. And of course, part of the problem with the Gamergate movement was that because people didn't take their claim, it's about ethics and game journalism seriously, and quite rightly, people didn't take it seriously because it wasn't actually what they were claiming, but because ostensibly... That was what it was about. And people were going, we don't think that is. They felt like they were themselves a marginalised community being ignored. And you do find in some of those communities this kind of weird backfire effect of, well, I mean, I know what I'm saying is right and nobody believes me. And you think what you're saying is right and nobody believes you as well. Well, you must be right because I know I'm right and I'm being ignored. And you're someone who's being ignored, so you must be right as well. So come join our mm. community. And it allows for people who simply feel that they're not part of the conversation to go, well, at least we've got each other because no one else is listening to us. Mm. And, um, I mean, we, we can extend that right into the, into the present moment, because when we look at all the... We, we, it's, it's been fun to look at what's been going on with Twitter and, and, and Elon Musk flailing around, trying to make money and firing everybody and not appearing to know what he's doing. But at least, at least some of his motivation in buying it in the first place... Um, see, w w was was this idea that that Twitter is is run is run by the the liberal left? It's it's the it's got all these full of these social justice warriors, who are who are censoring the the right and and amplifying the left, and so something needs to be done about it in the interests of free speech, which seems to be. That, that exact same idea that we saw right back in the start of Gamergate, just carrying through to the current day. Elon Musk does seem like he would have been a Gamergater mm. back in those days. In fact, I actually wouldn't be surprised if it turns out that he was a Gamergater back in those days. Mm. Uh, it's, it's hard to know what's going on in the man. There's a tweet I've seen going uh, around a bunch of times in the past. I can't remember who, who it was, and I can't remember exactly what they said, but the gist of it was that... Simply being a billionaire in the position of being able to buy literally anything, do pretty much anything, being able to, you know, buy politics, buy something like Twitter, which is essentially part of the infrastructure of the internet these days, simply the basic quote of it was that the cognitive impairment of living like that must be like getting kicked in the head by a horse every day. It's, it's, it really must mess with your head. So who knows exactly what's going on with the dude. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be anything good. Not good oh, at all. Indeed, in the bonus episode, we'll be talking yes. about Elon Musk's fickle pickle. Mm. And also the fact that what he's done is basically 
made some of the work that was going on internationally to make Twitter and other social media spaces better probably is now stopped. Mm. So there was just one other thing I felt I felt had to be mentioned, which was... Now you're going to bring up truth in science fiction media. I am, because I was looking, I was, I was looking through this, so, you know, what, what, what came after Gamergate? And along came another term, which we talked about at the time, but which I'd blissfully forgotten all about, and that was the sad puppies. Who remembers what, the sad what, puppies? What, what? Uh, that was, that, was yeah, it the so Hugos, was, the... was it? It was, yeah. So this was the attempt. So the Hugos tend to run on slates where there's the nominees and then there are kind of voting packets and people kind of vote according to a particular slate. So there are recommendations, vote for this short story, this book, this documentary. And a whole bunch of old white men, once again, got really annoyed that suddenly books which didn't feature them as main characters were winning Hugo Awards left, left and centre. Not left, right no, and centre. No, obviously not. Much left and mm. centre. So they tried to organise slates for one year. They were actually quite successful in gaming the system to ensure that a lot of very low quality but quite right-wing media won a number of awards. And so you got the sad puppy slate. Now, the Hugos reacted to this in such a way that they made this kind of slating things impossible to win in the future. But yes, there are a whole bunch of old white men who were very, very concerned that they were no longer the main characters in the books they liked to read. There Wasn't there an offshoot of the sad puppies? Was it like the angry puppies or rabid puppies there, or something? Yeah, there, there, was, another... there, yeah there, were, there were competing right-wing slates depending on whether they were as right-wing as they could be. But both have basically lost ground now with the new Hugo system. But yes, reminding me, reading again about the sad puppies and and the likes of the Proud Boys, and have you reminded me of of a recent tweet of the from the heroically ginger British comedian Alastair Beckett King, uh, which I did actually write down note down this time, where he he recently said, "Why are far right militias so bad at coming up with names? They're either called something obviously evil, like the Forsworn Brotherhood, or they turn up with T-shirts that say the Pudding Pants Brigade." And I really hope the term the Pudding Pants Brigade becomes a, becomes a meme, becomes a generic term any time one of these bunches of idiots show up with a, with a stupid nickname for themselves. I, I will be doing my part to make that happen. I like ABK. He mm. almost does as good a Poirot impression as I do. Almost. But I mean, really, is such yeah. a thing possible, obviously. Obviously. I mean, I mean as, as you say, mm. it's like having David Suchet in, in the room. room. Even when you're on the other side of the world talking to me by Zoom, it's like he's in the room with me right now. Yeah. It is a world-class impression, mm. and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Mm. So, yeah, that was Gamergate. Um I, I feel like perhaps we should apologise for making people think about Gamergate again if they hadn't for a while, but um, it is interesting to see just just how it came, how, how it's... I mean, it was, it was so big at one point mm. on the... Well, yeah, big it, on, on the, the internet the, doesn't always... Internet, yeah. And it's the thing, but it wasn't very big outside of social media. If you were online, Gamergate was huge. But if you talk to other people, gaming was still very much a fringe activity. It was just it became suddenly quite popular online to admit that 
people like playing computer games. For a long period of time, people played computer games. They just didn't talk about the mm. fact that they enjoyed it. In the same respect, there's a big debate going on in genre media at the moment that with things, the success of Lord of the Rings, success of Game of Thrones and House of the Dragon, what used to be a kind of fringe nerdy activity, to put in scare quotes, is now actually major popular mainstream in entertain, entertainment where MCU films make large amounts of money every single time they get released. You can no longer say that being a fan of superheroes is a fringe activity. And that's leading towards people in some of those fandoms. Go, oh, it's terrible, this influx of new people enjoying our media. That was my media, my media. Which is leading to a lot of bad stuff going on in those fandoms. So Gamergate was just the start of realizing that there is a kind of toxic core at the heart of every fandom. And often the reason why those fandoms were never as successful as they could have been was due to the policing actions of that toxic core going, no, it belongs to me, not to everyone just to me. Yes, there was always a debate uh, among people who were familiar with them as to who were the worst fans. Was it comic book fans or Star Wars fans or Tolkien fans or what have you? And of course, the real answer obviously was Ayn Rand fans, but that's completely beside the point. I do, I, I remember at the time of Gamergate, uh, I remember once when I was in, in my workplace at the time saying to my workmates, uh, Have you guys heard of Gamergate? And not one of them had because they were not online gaming people. But um, the fact that it hadn't, it, it, it hadn't hit the mainstream at the time doesn't change the fact that very much, the, the, the attitudes behind it very much have hit the mainstream and beyond. But enough, enough, enough depressing people being stupid material. Let's move on to brighter pastures. I believe we're going to talk about Elon Musk's sperm. We are, mm. and also... His children. Mm. Well, that's that's. I, I I assume that's where his children come from. Billionaires don't reproduce differently from the rest of us, do they? Do they? How would we know? Well, I mean, yeah, anything's possible. How would we know? Yeah. But yes, we'll be talking about the reproductive habits of various rich people in the bonus episode for this week. So quite, I, I, I can think of nothing more enticing to to get our patrons flooding towards us, giving us money, so to hear us talk. About about the emissions <laughs> Sorry, to hear us dunk on Elon Musk's spunk. <laughs> oh, ah, you got a rhyme in. You got a rhyme. Everything that rhymes is true. That's a known fact. Uh, you just won this episode. So really, there's nothing more, more for me to say. I can't top that. I literally can't top that. I do, of course, have to say that if you want to become a patron and hear us, go on, give us the line again. If you want to hear us dung on Elon Musk's spunk. Ah, classic. Go to patreon.com and search for the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy and sign yourself up. And if for some reason, if you've recently suffered some sort of horrible, mind-altering drugs mishap and you don't want to hear us talk about the the bodily emissions of certain moneyed individuals, uh, you don't have to. That's fine. Just, uh, just, you, you just, just listen to these main episodes because you're our audience, and without you, we'd be probably a bunch of insane lunatics arguing about ethics and podcasting or something because no one's listening to us. I don't know. 
I mean, I've still be an associate professor of philosophy. Well, yeah, no, you would actually. Yeah. Well, be almost so. certainly, yeah. Yeah, no, I'd probably have other things to arguably, do. Arguably, maybe not having this podcast. This podcast could have slowed down Indeed. my ascent to those heights. Could have been People holding us both back. And God, we could be billionaires right now if we hadn't been doing this podcast for the last eight years. We could be heroes. But just for just one, day. one day. So, yeah, what yeah. Are we? not missing that much. Righto. I think that's it. I think we're done. We've said everything we need to say and rhymed while we did it. Well, you did anyway. So, in that case, really, there's nothing else to say but uh, but a bit of the old uh, old fashioned goodbye. I'm off to dunk on some spunk. You've been listening to the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, hosted by Josh Addison and M. Dentith. If you'd like to help support us, please find details of our pledge drive at either Patreon or Podbean. If you'd like to get in contact with us, email us at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com. Marty, we gotta go back to the conspiracy. Well, it's actually your episode to edit this week, so why don't you play the sting for a change? Why don't you play the sting for a change? Fine. Who knows what I'm gonna put in here? It could be, could be literally. I, I just might find whatever sound effect I feel like and chuck it in here because that's <laughs> the, the power the best, I wield. The best ripping fart noise you can possibly make. Oh, I've, I've made several. <clears throat> anyway, sure. So is your mum. Well, I mean, so is everyone's mum. That's how the human body works. It's a miracle of nature. So is your mum. Yes, thank you. <laughs>